Well, good morning, everyone. The title um, of the sermon, sermon has nothing to do with the baptism service because the title is Lamenting the Losses. Right? <laughs> and so it has nothing to do with it. It could be a chapter maybe in the screw tape letters or um, I don't know. But it just doesn't relate to the baptism. It should have been like rejoicing, you know, the gains or the, or the blessings. But um, the reason why it is lamenting the losses is because we're going through a series at the church, and it is the uh, third, third week that we're going through it. And this series is called Transformational Transitions, Walking with God in Seasons of Change. And the reason why we're going through this series is, uh, for those who are guests with us, is that we're going through a change of senior pastors right now. Our pastor, Corey, who's uh, been faithfully pastoring here for 40 plus years, is retiring. And Rocky Seto, our new senior pastor, is coming in. And so in this time of change, we want to take time for us to um, look to the Lord and prepare our hearts for what's going to be happening but not only for our church, we wanted to talk about change just in general, right? Because in general, uh, we are resistant to change, right? We're usually resistant because what change means is that something we're very familiar with and comfortable with and maybe even love, right, is going to end. And something that's new and unknown is out there to happen, and so we're resistant to it. And so part of this process is learning to lament the loss. And so that's, what I'm, that's why the title is Lamenting the Loss. Okay? But before I preach, why don't we pray? Okay, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for the children and for the adults who have placed their trust and faith in you. Lord, you are sufficient for a little child's faith and the forgiveness that they seek, and you are even sufficient and more sufficient for everything we go through as we grow older. And so, Father, we want to lift up these ones who have been baptized, who have placed their trust in you. We ask, God, that you would grow them. They would continue to continually turn toward you in prayer and in trust, and that, God, they would find you faithful. And so we just thank you for them. I pray now that you would fill me and that our hearts would be open to you. Thank you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. So as I was saying, let me turn to the passage here. We are normally, we are usually resistant to change. And even if it's good change, and the reason why we're resistant to it is because something that we're familiar with is going to end, right? And so an example would be you're a high schooler, you're a senior, you graduated, you're going to college. That's a good change. Maybe you've even got, maybe you even gotten to the school that you want to go to. You're excited about going, and, but as you go, you're resistant the reason why you're resistant, as my Noel shared here, 
is that you're going into a situation that's unfamiliar maybe. And maybe you liked your church and you had close friends in high school. So even though it's a good change, you're resistant because you don't know if you're going to make good friends out there or if you're going to find a church that you love. Or maybe you have a coworker that you're very close to, you work well with each other, and then they retire. You know, God bless them, they retire. But that means as they leave, someone new comes in, right? And that new person is an unknown entity. And so even though you're happy for your friend that's retiring, the change brings about something unknown, okay? Now, there are times when we are not resistant to change, and it's because we want it, right? We're in a job that we do not like. We want to get out. We find a job. Yes, it's going to change, but we're looking forward to it because we do not like the present situation, right? But usually we're resistant to it because we're losing something that we're familiar with. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about how we lament the losses and how lamenting prayer, okay, specifically how lamenting prayer helps us transition through the most difficult part of change. And the most difficult part of change is losing that which we are familiar with and comfortable with and maybe even love, right? That's the most difficult part of change. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Psalm 142, which is a prayer of lament, and we're going to describe what lamenting prayer is, because what I'm saying is that lamenting prayer will help us transition through the most difficult part of change, and that is letting go of that which is lost. So we're going to look at Psalm 142. So open your Bibles, turn to 142. Now, I know we just sat through 14 baptisms, okay? So I need you to, to look into your inner spirit and go, okay, come on. Give me some strength to now listen to this preacher, all right? And I put my timer on here, so I'm not going the full 30 minutes. Amen, all right? So come on. Here we go. Psalm 142. Wake up. <clears throat> it's a psalm of lament. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV version, and it's going to be on your screen if you don't have the ESV. Here we go. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there is none who takes notice of me. No refuge, no safe place remains to me. No one cares for my soul. Oops. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. You're the only one I have on earth. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me 
for you will deal bountifully with me. First thing I want to do is look at what a prayer of lament is. I read it to you. You get the sense of the spirit behind it. Now there are some components, some characteristics that I just want to point out to you of what a lament prayer contains, all right? First of all, what a lament prayer is, oops, what a lament prayer is, is that it is an intense and impassioned expression of sorrow and of grief that's directed to God, all right? It's very important. This prayer, a lament, is a prayer of intense emotion, maybe, but definitely passion, which is pretty much the same thing. Emotion, passion, of sorrow and grief directed to God. It is not a rant or a whining to other people. That is not a lament. This is specifically a prayer to God. And so in verses 1 and 2, he says, with my voice I cry out to the Lord, right? With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him and I tell my trouble before him. It is to God, right? Now, a lot of you are really good at lament, but it's not to God. And I encourage you that God actually says, yes, lament, but now just take it to me. Amen? He says, take the lament to me. When we take it to other people, it can often be sinful. We call it gossip. We can call it just like ranting and pouring it upon somebody. They are not God. It is a prayer to God. So that's the first characteristic. Next one. A prayer of lament is, usually contains a layout and explanation of the person who's praying their distresses, right? And so in verse 3, it says, My spirit faints within me. My path, in my path, they've hidden a trap for me. He's describing how he's feeling what's happening around him. No one takes notice of me in verse 4. No one cares for my soul. In verse 6, I'm brought very low. He's at his lowest point he's ever been, and that his persecutions are too strong for me. And so a prayer of lament is not just saying, I'm sad. I'm really sad. (laughs) But it's a description. It's a pouring out of this is what's happening in my life, and it's to God. Number three, It usually has cries to take action, right? In verses 6, attend to my cry. Verse 7, bring me out of prison. It calls God to action. God, do something in my situation. And so I'm pouring out my heart, and I'm calling on you to do something. One of the last things it has is it usually ends with some confident word of hope in God. And in this psalm, it's at the very end. He says, actually, it's in verse, um, let's see. It's also in verse 3 when he says, my spirit fails within me, but you know my way. 
There's kind of like a positive there of confidence. But definitely in verse 7, it says, The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. And so these are the, some of the characteristics of a lamenting prayer in the Psalms. And the main thing I want you to take away as I've gone through this is I want you to take away that these lament prayers are essentially unpretentious, raw, and honest engagements of, with God about some of the greatest burdens and sorrows that are upon your heart. That's what lament prayers are. Now, this is important, all right? The other thing I want you to realize is I, I put this little picture up here. It looks like a brain scan, right? And this is from my, um, my Bible program. And these are all the Psalms here, okay? There's a hun- 150 dots here, and they represent all the books in the Psalms. And what this program does is it's kind of cool. You have all these dots, and you kind of go click according to genre, and the dots move. They go, right? And so this is all the books of the Bible gathered by genre, type. Over here, we have praise psalms. You can't see it, but there's actually a thing that says praise, and there's an arrow pointing here. It's just that it's like in light gray. Down here are thanksgiving psalms. There's royal psalms. Here is I forgot psalms. I forgot this one, (laughs) all right? But you know which one is the lament psalms? The blue. The blue. These are all the lament songs and prayers in the book of Psalms. Now the book of Psalms, right, is, is the prayer and song book of the people of God. It's our prayer and song book. And when Jesus walked on this earth, this is what the prayer and psalm book was for him. And he memorized these things, and he prayed them. And you see him, it's the most quoted book in the Old Testament by Jesus. I mean, in the New Testament by Jesus. And when he prayed, he prayed these. And what I think is critical to know, by the way, that's 40%. 40% of the 150 psalms, there's 59 lament and prayer um, songs in the book of Psalms. And what does this mean? It means, all right, that if this book, the Psalms, guides our prayer and worship, then lamenting, bringing things that are of great um, importance and sorrow to God in our lives, that that should be a normal part of our prayer and worship. That's all a part of it. That, to me, was unusual. I was not, when I began to read through the Psalms and pray them, I began to notice this, but one of the main things I began to notice is that this prayer of lament, I did not do. All right? If you're like me now, most of you know me as the weeping pastor, you know? You mean the weeping pastor isn't before God? What are you doing? You know, and, and weeping? That, that, I, I, that was not me. And when, the way I grew up, too, it wasn't taught at my church, 
right? That, that's not, I loved my church, but it just wasn't taught. And for most of you, I would imagine that's not the model that was set for you. But the book of Psalms, that's the model that's set. That yes, there's exuberant praise and there's much thanksgiving that we bring before God, but there's also great sorrow and pain and anger, confusion that he is inviting us to come to him with. Now, if you've grown up in a Korean church, maybe you were trained in that, right? I know some Korean brothers that, boom, right? But I think for most of us, we're not not used to that. And so the greatest barrier of freely coming to the Lord in prayer with our greatest needs and our greatest sorrows, the greatest barrier to that is not God, but it's actually us. There's something in us that we feel like, I can't do that. And so I'm going to give maybe like three or four reasons why. Woo! I have to really fly. Three or four reasons why you might not look favorably upon this idea of lamenting before God. And I think the very first one I think of is, one, you don't think it'll make a difference. You just don't think it'll make a difference. I, I have this... I have this huge burden on my heart. Why should I talk to God? Is it, is it going to do anything? Right? And all I have to say is that uh, it will. Right? God loves you. When we say we don't think it's going to make a difference, essentially what we're saying is that he doesn't care. But this is the reason why we have placed our faith in Christ. Because he is inviting us to come back into relationship with him. And the very reason why we come is to be back in relationship with him. And so he wants to hear what is on your heart. And so every time you begin to pour out your faith to him, or every time you pray to him, you, you state that I believe in a loving and good God. Amen? Every time you pray... Every time you sit there and you begin to talk, you proclaim, I believe. And so he calls you, believe. Right? He does, it does make a difference. Number two, another reason why we think, we, I, I think, and I know for myself why I looked unfavorably upon it, is because to me it seems childish. Right? It seems immature to complain and whine. Right? That's not me. I'm not going to do that. Now, I agree that constant complaining for an adult is childish, right? I don't want to have an adult come up to me and say, man, I had such a hard day, my boss, na 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 da 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 wah 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 right? It's kind of like, be quiet. But is it childish for a child to pour out his heart to his father? Okay, there's kind of an, it's not child, it's childlike, right? If a three-year-old came up to me, right, if my daughter, three-year-olds come up to me and they say, I hit my knee and then my friends made fun of me, and they start crying to me, as an adult, if I just said, oh, come on, quit, quit whining, right, that would be cruel. It's a child to an adult, 
Lamenting prayer is prayer to our Father. We are children. And so it is childlike prayer to God. It's not childish. We also might be adverse to lament because... um, Because you're just not a, you just feel like that's not me. I'm not a pour out your heart type of person. You're more of a rational person, logical, right? You're more Spock-like, right? And all I have to say is that I think you're confusing being emotional with being completely honest before God. And the two are not the same. Lament is unpretentious, honest dialogue with God the Father about the most pressing and important needs on your heart. And so it's not about being emotional. It's about being honest. It's about being honest. And I will say this. I believe that if you begin to be, if you start being honest with God and start talking to him about the most treasured things in your life, I do believe that you will start to get emotional, right? Okay, I'm going to wrap it up. How does the practice of lament help us transition through the loss that's brought about by change? Right? Okay, Kenny, I hear you. This is the prayer of lament. I understand it. I understand why I might not want to do it. How does it help us transition through the loss that's brought about by change. Well, the very first thing, it makes you acknowledge the loss. It makes you acknowledge it and mourn over it. You know, one of the main reasons why it's so hard to transition through change is because we don't acknowledge what's been lost. I mean, we just want to try to hang on to that. And so with the first examples I gave, if you go to college and you're there and you just look around and you just think, oh, these people here, they're not like my friends before. Or you start attending a church and all you see is criticalness. I mean, all you, all you, <laughs> all you, could, all you could do is criticize what's happening there. And, it's just like, and all you're thinking is back, back, back. You never transition to the new place you're at. Your heart never lands there. And so you remain stuck because you never just mourn and acknowledge that which is finished is done. The other example with the uh, 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 co-worker that retires. If the new co-worker comes in and all you do is look at that person and go, I wish they were that other person, right? You never give an opportunity to move forward. You're always hanging on to the past. See, when we don't accept the loss of change, if we don't accept the loss that change brings about, we remain stuck in a world that is no longer real because it's gone. And when that happens, all right, you begin to lose hope and you begin to despair. And then it doesn't go well. And so lamenting prayer, as you bring that before God, helps you acknowledge and realize 
yes, this is a huge loss. It allows you to bring it to the Lord, all right? Okay. That is so important. And one of the main things, the reason why we're talking about transition is for our church, we're going through a good change, amen? We're going through a good change. We believe it's God-directed, Spirit-led. We believe that how it all came together and the timing is from the Lord. But there are, there, things are going to change. They will change. They will just naturally change. Our two senior pastors are two different people, and so there's things that we need to mourn over that will change. And so what we as a leadership want to give you the freedom to do is take that mourning and you bring it to the Lord. And you voice it to Him. And you begin to lift up the things that you're sad, that are going to, that are going to change, and I believe that God will meet you. Whatever situation you are in, all right, whatever shift that has happened in your life, the most difficult thing to get past is what you have lost. What you have lost. And that is something that we as a culture do not deal with well, and that's loss. Whenever I um, officiate a, a funeral, and I get the family and all the relatives into a room, I always look around and I tell them, you know what, this is the place and this is the time where you can cry. And you should not feel ashamed about that at all. You just lost, it could be like your wife, your husband, your son, your aunt, your best friend. And this is the place to weep. Now, when I do Japanese funerals, okay, and I'm talking to them, they look at me like a deer in the headlights. Right? I just noticed that that was on the whole time. They look at you like a deer in the headlights. Right? And they might, you know, okay, pastor. And what I usually see is I see like very controlled. I'm not going to cry. Right? And even when Maybe they're sharing up there or something. It's like, and they, you know, and if they held it too much, they like explode, right? But there's really no place. It seems like there's no place for that to come out. And a funeral ought to be a place where that comes out. Because until we begin to really lament and mourn over the things we've lost, God cannot come in and heal and let you know that he is there and he's not leaving. So let's come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many prayers of lament in the Psalms. And we thank you that they are a model to us, Lord, an invitation to us to come before you with the greatest burdens on our heart. And that, Father, the many losses that we are going to go through life, that, Father, you want to hear those, and more importantly, you want to meet us. Because the one thing we will realize is that although many things may be lost in this life, you never change. 
You remain with us. You are near to us. And when we realize that, we have hope. And so, Father, open up our hearts to begin to come before you with all things, everything. Thank you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.